Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Look at us in here in the sanctuary and to all of those who are joining us online. What a wonderful and challenging year it has been, but what an exciting opportunity we have ahead of us to think and imagine and birth something new into the world. So it is good to be here. First, I'm going to provide a reading, a quote, and then we'll go into scripture. I had the opportunity and the information, and I failed to make use of it. I don't know what an inquest or a court of law would say, but I stand condemned in the court of my own conscience to be guilty of not preventing the Columbia shuttle launch disaster. The bottom line is that I failed to understand what I was being told. I failed to stand up to be counted. Therefore, look no further. I am guilty for the allowing of the Columbia Space Shuttle to crash. That was a quote from the launch integration manager, N. Whale excuse me, N. Wayne Hale Jr., after the Columbia Space Shuttle explosion, which ended up killing seven astronauts. And now our scripture reading comes from Proverbs 1, verses 20 through 33. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of that wall, she cries out. In front of the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, and since you all disregard my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I, in turn, will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like that storm. And when the disaster sweeps over you like the whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call out to me, but I will not answer. They will look to me, but will not find me. 
since they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety, to be at ease without the fear of harm. Amen. We need to talk. When I hear those four words, I immediately think of two things. The first one is a question, what happened? The second one is also a question, what did I do wrong? We need to talk. And I think, what did we do wrong? And I don't know about you, but when someone criticizes me, when someone rebukes me, when someone rebuffs me, I tend to immediately think it was my problem, it was my issue. And so, if I'm not careful, it's easy for me to get defensive. To try to somehow explain why I did what I did. And that is why I think when the text that you just heard read for us, when the Lady Wisdom is speaking to her audience, I think it's why she calls the people that she's talking to fools and that they're naive. I think one of the reasons why that she says this about them is because she gives them a rebuke and they don't respond favorably. But if we're honest, it almost sounds like Lady Wisdom is nagging these individuals, these individuals that she calls fools. Because in just that short passage that was read for us, three times she complains about her audience not listening to her. Here are these words again, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23. Turn to my reproof. Verse 25, you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. Verse 30, they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I would listen to Lady Wisdom because she almost sounds like this nag continually trying to correct me. And again, as I mentioned before, and I don't know if it's true for you necessarily, but for me at times, when I do something and people correct me, the natural instinct for me is to become somewhat defensive. So the question is, why? Why do we have such a hard time when it comes to dealing with criticism? When someone tries to correct us when we've made a mistake or we've made an error, what is it about our psyche that makes us respond this way? The answer, I think, lies, if we go back far enough, to when each and every one of us were children. Because when we were babies, and as we slowly went through being toddlers, 
we didn't make a big distinction between ourselves and other people. But over time, we begin to make this differentiation between ourselves and others. And we begin to develop this sense of who we are, what we are about, what we like, what we don't like. We create, if you would, a sense of self-image. Now, what's amazing, and I don't know if you will have the courage to admit it, but studies have shown that when we look at ourselves, we actually feel pretty good about who we are. For example, the majority of us believe that we are above average when it comes to three areas compared to others. Now, this is not the time to turn and look at each other and see which ones that you're thinking you're above average about. But there's three areas. Number one, intelligence. The majority of us think that we are somehow a little bit, just maybe a little, some of us perhaps a lot, more intelligent than other people. We think we're more competent than other people. And then finally, we think we are probably more moral than other people. So we have this idea within us that just takes us and puts us a little bit higher up than other people. So what happens when we make a mistake? What happens when we make an error? Well, it creates what is called inside of our minds cognitive dissonance. What does that mean? Cognitive dissonance is a mental sense of disconnection. Because, for example, if I have this image of myself that I am intelligent, I am competent, I am moral, and I do something that goes against one of those three areas, it creates this disconnect. How do I resolve that? What's amazing about our brain is that all of this happens subconsciously. We're not even consciously aware of it. Our brain automatically knows how to kick it in. And it creates this disconnect. And we can't live with that very long. You can't sleep very good at night if you feel this disconnect. This sense of inner turmoil, this tension. So we have two possibilities to bring about a sense of tranquility to our minds again. Number one, we can admit that how we see ourselves is wrong. That we're not as smart as we think we are. We're not as competent or talented as we think we are. And we're not as moral as we assumed that we were. That's option number one. Option number two is we can come up with a sense of excuse, a sense of self-justification. Perhaps you have done this yourself. For example, you're on your way to work, and you cut someone off, and they honk at you. Well, whose fault is that? Well, it's their fault, right? 
I mean, why, who in the world drives the speed limit? Right? You don't go 35 into 35. Everyone in Phoenix knows that. You just don't do it. So they're going too slow to begin with. And number two, why are they in the fast lane rather than the slow lane? So it's really not our fault. And the reason why we're having to be in such a hurry was because what happened at home that delayed us? Well, that wasn't our fault either. If my partner had just put the keys back where they belong, I would have been able to find them and I wouldn't be running behind. So this is what our brain does when it comes to when we make a mistake and we feel a sense of correction, either from inside ourselves or from other people. We immediately try to deal with it in those two ways. Either we re-examine who we are and say, I'm not as intelligent as I thought, I'm not as talented or moral as I thought, or I come up with an excuse to justify my behavior. Guess which one we tend to do. That's why it's so hard for us to deal with criticism. Because it really taps in to our sense of identity. So when Lady Wisdom goes around and is rebuking all these individuals, no wonder they don't listen to her. She's attacking them, their true sense of who they are as individuals. But there's a problem that arises if we allow that to continue to happen. One of the things that takes place when we do this self-justification and ignore the criticism from other people when it is justified is that impacts our relationships with others. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and for those of you who are physically here, do not raise your hand. But do you know of someone who is never wrong? Who is never willing to say, yeah, my bad, I'll take responsibility for that. Who never apologizes what kind of a relationship do you have with that person? Is it close? Is it intimate? Or is this almost this sense of tension that always resides? You see, if we are not willing to admit that we make mistakes, then we're going to have difficulties in our relationships with other people. And so that's one of the first things that happens if we allow our minds to continue to come up with excuses to justify when we've done wrong. The second problem is that when we do this behavior of self-justification is it creates a ripple effect. If you look at the screen right now, you'll see a triangle. And the little person up above is me, with no hair. Now, let's say that I walk in to a class, and I have to take this exam. 
and my ability to acquire a job that I really, really want is based upon how well I do on this exam. And so I study like crazy ahead of time. But the time I walk into that room, all of a sudden, my brain just goes blank. And I no longer can remember everything that I had studied. When I look at the test questions, it's almost as if it's a foreign language. I've never seen a subject I've never seen before. But I really, really want this job. I mean, I really, really need this job. But fortunately for me, where I've chosen to sit, I'm sitting behind a person that I know. And I also know that they're really intelligent. And so, casually, I look ahead and I notice their exam. And I also happen to notice that this person writes really large. So now I have a choice to make. I can look at their test, their exam, and I can cheat. Or I shield my eyes and just try to make the best of it. But I really need this job. So at that moment, I have to make a decision. And the decision I make will determine which side of that triangle I'm going to come down. If I choose to cheat, then more than likely, psychologists tell us that when I walk out of the room, guess what? My view of cheating has been diminished. I mean, come on, let's, let's just be honest with each other right now. Everyone cheats. Remember that guy in the fast lane that was going the speed limit? That's what we're supposed to do. But we all know we should go faster. How many of us, when it comes to our taxes or other areas of our life, we just do a little bit of cheating? We're not quite as honest as we could be. So in our minds, we're justifying it, and we really need that job. So when we walk out of the room, our view of cheating has slightly shifted. Our morals have taken a hit. So the next time we hear about someone cheating, we're not going to be as critical toward them. And the next opportunity that we have to cheat, we're probably going to take advantage of it. And the guilt that we felt won't be as strong. Now, what happens if it goes the other way and I choose not to cheat? Well, when I walk out of that room, guess how I view cheaters? They're terrible people, they're dishonest. That's the problem with society right there, is we have too many people who cheat. 
I'm the kind of person then that's going to go down on the corner and tell people, you got to quit cheating. I become the zealot because I took a stand. How we respond at that moment in making our decision is going to have a ripple effect on how we continue to live our lives. And if that moment, maybe no one else knows that I cheated other than myself. But in order to get my brain back in this sense of peace again, I have to be able to bring about peace by either justifying my behavior or changing how I see myself. The reality is very few of us, would, if we cheated, would walk out of that room going, yeah, yep, I'm a cheater. I, I, I'm a cheater. We won't do it. And the third problem is when we're not ready or willing to receive criticism is that it affects our sense of self-growth. We don't grow no, as from our mistakes. In the culture in Japan, when a person makes a mistake, they are not criticized. They are seen as people who are willing to learn from their mistakes. A psychologist was in Japan one time and walked into a classroom and noticed this young boy at the chalkboard working on a math problem. And he would work on it and then step back and his teacher would look and say, no, that isn't right. He would go back and he would work on it. He didn't start crying. He didn't get upset. The kids in the classroom, they weren't making fun of him. They weren't laughing. And if it took 30 to 40 minutes, It was okay. And when he was done, the classroom erupted in applause because this young man had learned something from his mistakes. Unfortunately, if you walk into a classroom here in America and the kid keeps making the mistakes, people get uncomfortable. Kids begin to laugh. They begin to make fun of each other. Because in our society, when you make a mistake, when you make an error, people see that as a moral flaw in your character. So no wonder we don't like to be criticized. But Lady Wisdom walks around criticizing them, correcting them. There's a book on my Amazon wish list. I read an interview with its authors. The title of the book is Mistakes Were Made, But Not By Me. Listen to what the writer says. It is a lesson for all ages. 
the importance of seeing mistakes not as personal failings to be denied or justified, but as inevitable aspects of life that help us to improve our work, to make better decisions, and grow. And maybe that's why Lady Wisdom is going around the city shouting out loud for people to wake up and quit making the mistakes they're making. Because she wants them to grow as individuals. Listen again to that reading by N. Wayne Hill, Jr., 1981. When Columbia Space Shuttle blew up, this man could have remained silent. He didn't need to say a word. But he knew he had made a mistake. Listen again what he says. I had the opportunity and the information, and I failed. That takes a sense of self-awareness to utter those two words. I failed. I don't know what an inquest or a court of law would say, but I stand condemned in the court of my own conscience to be guilty or not prevent the Columbia disaster. The bottom line is that I failed. I failed to understand what I was being told. I failed to stand up and be counted. Therefore, look no further. I'm taking responsibility. I need to suffer the consequences. I am guilty. And when we are able to do that, we grow as human beings. We grow emotionally. We grow spiritually. That's why in my mind, Lady Wisdom is able to go out into the streets. She's not nagging. She's speaking out of a deep sense of care. She has a passion for the well-being of those people in her city because she knows something. Listen to it again. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So unfortunately, they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. 
What an amazing picture of Lady Wisdom and however you understand her, either as being divine or one of the traits of God that's being personified. This is Lady Wisdom caring enough to tell people, look, you're walking down the wrong way. There's a parable in the Far East about an American who arrived. He had flown all the way over there because he was truly unhappy with his life. And he had found on the internet the wisest individual that he knew of. So he flew over and made the trek And he found where this wise man was living. And he sat before him. And what seemed like eternity, there was just complete silence. And finally, the wise man said, Why are you here? And the American spoke up and he said, I'm unhappy, and I want to be happy. Please, wise one, teach me, how can I be happy? And the wise man again remained silent for what seemed like a long, extended period of time, but probably was only a matter of seconds. And the wise man took his eyes off the ground and he looked up at him and he said, the key to happiness, good judgment. And the American looked at him and said, ah, yes, wise one, that is why you are wise. So tell me, how do I receive the gift of good judgment? And the wise man once again lifted his eyes and he looked the American in the eyes and he said, bad judgment. That wise man, just like Lady Wisdom, understood that we learn from our mistakes. They aren't a verdict about who we are. but they're opportunities to grow. And as we grow, it makes a difference in the quality not only of our lives, but all of those around us. So ask yourself this coming week, reflect upon in your mind how you will respond to when you make a mistake. Perhaps others will know of it and will criticize you, rebuke you. Perhaps the criticism and the rebuke will only come from yourself. But you get to decide 
how you will respond. Lady Wisdom is asking you to be wise and to learn from your mistakes. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.